Hey, we are in our um, sixth week of this Creed series. Week six, I can't believe it. It's a, um, it's a series that I'm, I'm really, really enjoying. It's a series that I'm hearing from other people. They're like, I'm so thankful that, that you're going through these things because I grew up, you know, Catholic or I grew up Methodist and we would actually, we would actually recite these things at, at the beginning of every service. And, uh, and as I, you know, we, we would recite these, it was kind of like, what does it really mean? You know, uh, you know, can we look at a closer look at what each phrase means, where it is in scripture, how can we can apply it to our lives and all of that stuff. And so, um, this week six of Creed series, and we have about, I think three more left and we finish up, but I'm really, really excited about this particular week um, because it talks about Jesus ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, um, and, uh, and then returning for us. And so that is great, great news. Um, Jackson Grant uh, did an amazing job. I was able to listen to the sermon. Uh, our family took some time off uh, last week, and, uh, but he did an awesome job uh, preaching uh, a, a great message. And you can uh, listen to this entire series on our website at lakepointonline.com. But before I dive in uh, to this, I would like for us to do something that we've been doing uh, every week in this series, and it's something that we normally don't do, uh, but we're going to, almost like a school that says a pledge of allegiance, we are going to stand as a church, so I invite you all to stand and look at the screen. We're going to read this slowly on out the, uh, the creed right here. Okay, let's all say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Okay, you guys have a seat. Uh, you don't want to miss next week uh, either uh, because uh, we are actually going to uh, observe communion as a, as a church at, we, as we move on to our next uh, to our our back to our uh, location there at South Central, and so you don't want to miss that. We're going to take communion as a church as we talk about communion of the saints and, and and all of that stuff. But the reason why I felt led to to do this creed is because I see so many believers that are getting um, just almost like in a boxing ring, just getting hit left and right, um, their faith. And uh, their faith is being challenged day in and day out. We see this in our own home, especially in our kids, when our kids are trying to stand for their faith and they're seeing so many other things that contradict that. 
And so um, when we're able to understand what we believe in and say, hey, we believe in these things right here, and here's the reason why we believe it, that it helps us to believe on other things um, in our culture um, that sort of counter what the Bible uh, teaches. And as I've shared before, the creed does not stand on its own. Um, and there's nothing in the creed that's going to save you just by speaking that. Saving comes from believing in your heart and then confessing with your mouth. So believing first. But a- as we looked at this creed, uh, week one, we talked about what is the difference between knowing and believing. You can know uh, that um, all these things in the creed, but knowing and believing are two different things. Because when you believe in something, you fight for it. You, it moves into some sort of action. And so, if, for instance, if you believe in your marriage, you're going to fight for it. If you believe in your health, you're going to fight for it. If you believe for you, in your family, you're going to fight for it. If you believe in your career and in, in your calling, you are going to fight for it. But then again, some of those things, you know, you, you don't really see it. You don't really see it. But you believe in it. It's kind of like this past uh, week, we, you know, most of you celebrated Valentine's Day. It's awesome. You know, but, but love is not something that, that you can actually say, oh, hey, there's love. You know, I, like a, a, a person of, you know, uh, of love. You, you see, you see uh, traces of love in the actions of people, yes. But, but we don't see with our eyes, love, but we believe in love. We believe in love, even though we may not see it. And because we believe in love, we will do things uh, for those that we love. In week two, we talked about the heart of the Father, as we talked about God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and uh, how we can't, we can't do anything to earn his love, which means that we also can't do anything to lose his love. And he is a gracious, heavenly father. And uh, we talked about in week three, Jesus, our shepherd. And in the creed where it says, in Jesus Christ, his only son, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, we, we looked at Jesus as a great shepherd, as a good shepherd. A shepherd who leads and a shepherd who doesn't drive. A shepherd who leads us. And he, uh, because he's a good shepherd, he provides, he protects and he promises. And if we could just follow his leadership, we're going to go where he has designed us to go. Um, and, and just know that a shepherd, a good shepherd, is one who leads. And are you following him? Week four, we talked about Jesus, our sacrifice. How we suffered under Pontius Pilate. This sacrifice reconciled us back to God. His sacrifice on the cross reconciled us, brought us back, returned us in right standing, in right relationship to God Almighty. So if we truly believe, not just know, but if we truly believe that Jesus did this for us, that he took away our sin and and our grief and our shame, then, then we will do everything we can to walk in that. We're going to do everything we can to walk in victory, believe in victory. Because when you and I fall down in sin, we're, we're going to get back up and boldly pro- approach the throne of grace. 
boldly approach the throne of grace. We're not going to be like, oh, I sinned. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so ashamed. I'm going to hide from God. You know, that's, that's what Adam and Eve did. It's not, it's not what God wants. It's not what God wants. He wants us to come to him, and his grace is sufficient, and his grace will never run dry. And so if we believe that Jesus Christ did this for us, then we're going to live our lives with that belief. Last week, we talked about how Jesus ascended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. Uh, Jackson did a great job of talking about this as, he saw, uh, as we saw in Colossians chapter 2 and in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, where it, where it talks about that, um, that Jesus went to hell to disarm the spiritual powers and authorities, meaning he took away the weapons and also made proclamation to uh, the spirits uh, caught in hell. And, and some of you who have been with us for a while, uh, a few years ago, uh, I did this, um, this particular series called Afterlife. You can, actually, you can actually go to our website and you can listen to that series. But the Afterlife series talked about, okay, what happens, what happens when, you, when you die? And, and a great book on this, this is simply called Heaven. And it's by Randy Alcorn. It's, it's written very well. And um, in the Afterlife series, I talked about how when, whenever we die, we, we go somewhere. Okay, that's, that's pretty obvious. And so our spirits uh, go to a place. And, and, and in, the, in God's word, the Greek and the Hebrew, there's a different word, Greek and Hebrew word from, uh, for the wor- word um, like Sheol, which is, which is hell, translated hell, but it's, a, but it's a different word that is used then from the final resting place of hell. It's almost like there is a, a, um, a, a spiritual realm of darkness, a place where people go who don't know Christ, who have not accepted Christ as Savior. And then there's a different word for the final resting place of hell. The place that, that God created for Satan and his angels. He didn't create it for you. He didn't create it for me. It wasn't designed for us. But because of sin and our life, and we don't accept Christ, then we go to the final resting place of hell. Well, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, in, in these passages in Colossians and in 1 Peter um, it talks about how Jesus went to, uh, to more of a Sheol, to this, um, to this spiritual realm of darkness, and, uh, and he took away uh, the weapons. And, uh, and then also in that Afterlife series, I talk about how, you know, for those who have accepted Christ as Savior, you do go to a realm of paradise, but the Bible says there's also going to be a new heaven and a new earth. You know, we're not going to really find out till we die. And I don't think none of us really want to do that anytime soon. But I do know this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and truly follow him and live your life for him, and given your life to him, then you, just like Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Whatever that paradise is, is like. But we do know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so Jesus, we also know that Jesus went down to the spiritual darkness, the spiritual realm. But more importantly, more importantly than any of that is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Jesus rose from the dead. He was only there, um, you know, for three days. He didn't just hang out at the, in, in the grave and, you know, was on uh, Instagram. You know, he was, a, uh, he, he, was, he was there to fight for us uh, because you and I, we can't, we can't go down to that spiritual realm of darkness and, and come back. But Jesus can and Jesus did. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord that he did that. Let me tell you what. If you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then, um, uh, then you've got some reading up to do. <laughs> you've got some believing to do because I would tell you this. If you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you, there's no way you're a believer. You can't be a believer in Jesus Christ. That is the, that is the, the epicenter, the, the, the big moment of, of Christianity. And we have to believe. Yeah, the cross, he died on the cross, absolutely. But he rose again. From the grave, and all the gospels talk about it, and all the gospels mention that, and um, and so we we need to believe that. So this week we talk about uh, we go to the phrase where Jesus he ascended to heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence shall come uh, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So where does it talk about he ascended into heaven? You may have seen this passage in Acts uh, chapter one, verse nine uh, through eleven. If you uh, look at the screens or follow along in God's word, it says this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And uh, so he's around some of his followers. You know, he spent some time on, on earth for about 40 days after he rose from the dead. And, you know, he had the upper room and the Holy Spirit and, and those kinds of things. Well, finally, he's, he's there on earth uh, just um, uh, the last few hours, the last few minutes and he's taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, I... I I have often wondered, and you may have often wondered too, why did Jesus, why did Jesus have to go back up into heaven? I mean, how great, how awesome it would be. It's like, okay, you're here, you rose from the dead. That's awesome. You're, you're our champion. So just stay here, hang out here. I mean, can you imagine the, the church that would be built? You know, if he would have stayed here and, but can I tell you something? I believe if Jesus would have stayed here, because scripture talks about this, I believe that if Jesus were to stay here and build his kingdom on this earth, then um, it, the church would not be what the church is today. Because you see, if Jesus stayed here on earth, he would have limitations. He would have limitations. He wouldn't be everywhere all the time. Because while Jesus walked this earth, he was not omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere all the time. But because he, he ascended into heaven and, and uh, is there with his father and is in heaven, he is able to be everywhere at any time through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit, I think, next week or the week after. So he, through the power of his whole, the Holy Spirit, he sends 
And he sent that to us so that he can be everywhere at any time. Because if he stayed here, he would have limitations. He would be bound by time and by space. And we see, uh, we see how he, uh, he talks about this Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. He will do greater things because I'm going to the Father. That right there is proof that, look, I love you guys, but I need to go back up to heaven. I need to be with my Father because it, I can do so much better things from there than if I'm just walking on this earth. And the, and the Holy Spirit that is going to be sent in power, you're going to do even greater things than I did. Which is very humbling. I mean, just the fact, and that blows my mind to think that we have the ability and the power through the Holy Spirit. If we walk through Jesus, uh, walk through, um, walk, our, live our lives through Christ and, and honor him. And we don't do things to, to, to quench that Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit gives us power to do amazing things, greater things than what Jesus even did while he was on this earth. And so um, Jesus had to go to the Father. Think of it like this. Um, so let's say, let's say if, you, uh, if you had someone, a family member, Maybe someone who, who, really, who you really love. Let's say that they, they were to pass away. They were to die. And some of you in this room have had people you dearly love who have died. But let's say every birthday, every time it comes around to your birthday, after that loved one has died, you get a handwritten note from that loved one that, that just says, you know, Happy birthday, I know you miss me, stay strong, and it's handwritten. The reason why is because that person has pre-planned years and years and years of birthday cards that, and, and has scheduled those to be sent out to you every birthday. Wow, that'd be kind of be cool. It's almost like they're with you, right? Because it's their handwriting. It's almost like they're, they're gone but they're still with you. And you think, okay, I don't feel so alone. It's like the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit. And, um, and let's say if that same person secretly had some investments. And let's just say if, if that same person who sent you, lined up those cards, uh, had investments and it gave you an inheritance of $50 million. You would say, man, I can do even greater things with this than this loved one that has passed on. I can invest, I can do even greater things than they did because of what they left behind. That's the only sort of analogy that I can come up with that would sort of um, relate to Jesus sending 
the Holy Spirit, as a comforter to say, I'm still with you, I'm walking with you, and you have the ability, I've given you power, I've given you resources to do more than I ever did. If you believe that, if I believe that, we will live that. So it talks about how, um, how Jesus was ascended into heaven, and then it talks about how Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. We have someone who genuinely cares about the issues in our life sitting there next to God Almighty. I love this in, in um, the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know what that tells me? It tells me this. When you and I fall down, if we're, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, and we're Christian, and we got the Jesus jersey on, we're gonna slip up, we're gonna fall. How many of y'all in the last week or two weeks have done something that you would consider a sin? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, that's good. We're all sinners here. Nothing special about us, except that we're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and that we believe in him, but we're still gonna fall. We're still gonna slip up. And, and when we do, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Jesus looks over at his father, whispers in his ear, says, that one's mine. I, I, I bought that person right there. That person believes in me. That one's mine. He's got the blood, my blood. She's got my blood covering their life, even though they fall. You know, it's kind of like this. The best analogy I can think of is, is um, you know, when we, have, when we have children and they start, they start walking, it's the funniest thing. You know, and every, every, kid's, every kid's a little different. Some kids just, they go from crawling to running, right? Um, some kids just, Go from, uh, from walking, I mean, from crawling to, you know, to barely kind of walking and stuff. And, 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 you know, if you notice children, at least our kids, I mean, it's big, big heads, right? And that's just kind of how they're, how they're, how they're, they're foreign. I mean, when little kids, when they start walking, it's like their head is so big, it just kind of leans them forward, right? And they're just, they just want to walk, but they can't because their head pops them over, all right? And so, but, but they, they take a few steps, and they're not really walking. They're more, more of like falling with grace is what's really happening when they first start doing this. But I can imagine as, as those children, they're sitting there laying with their face on the, on the floor and the carpet going, oh, I feel such like a doofus. I, I mean, I can't, even, I can't even do this. You don't hear the parents go, man, what an idiot. He can't even walk. You never hear that. We're like, oh, he's walking, she's walking. No, they're falling with grace. Jesus looks at us when we try to walk and we fall, and we will, and we do. And he says, she's walking. He's walking. Jesus doesn't sit on a throne of anger, of pointing the finger. Jesus sits on the throne of mercy, 
the throne of mercy, of grace. And so he's, he's looking at us and going, they're walking. They're walking. It might be, you may think, I'm falling with grace. How could Jesus, how could Jesus ever think of me like this? But he does. And so he is our advocate. And so when we stumble, he looks at God the Father and says, they're walking. He's mine. She's mine. And then in that phrase, in this part of the creed, it talks about Jesus returning. You know, in the, um, the New Testament, did a little bit of research. The New Testament refers to the second coming of Christ in over 300 verses in the New Testament. That's amazing. That means that one in every 13 verses, one in every 13 verses deal with some aspect of the Lord's return to the earth. It's essential. It's very central to the New Testament message. Uh, we see this in John chapter 14, verse one through four. And this is Jesus talking right here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So that's Jesus talking about in the New Testament, how he's gonna return. Check out what Daniel says, Old Testament prophet, many, many hundreds of years earlier than this passage in John, but in, in Daniel chapter seven, verse 13 through 14, he says this, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. He's seeing Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days. God the Father was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Man, what Daniel saw is amazing. He saw that. Jesus confirmed it. Speaks about it 300 times in the New Testament. Look, I am returning. I don't know about you. We, we gotta get excited about that. And, and, and I'm guilty of this just like you are, I'm sure, that we get so caught up in the, the daily routines of life and so distracted that we forget that Jesus is coming back. Yes, thank you. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He is coming back. Well, I might die before then. Yeah, you might die before then. But if you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. You're getting there a lot quicker than everybody else. But Jesus is coming for us. He's coming back. He's returning that should make us weep for joy. 
That should make us weep for joy. And the fact that Jesus, the fact that Jesus would say that and remind us of that over and over and over again. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm returning to you. I like to try to use real life analogies to kind of bring things to home in scripture. It's just how I relate. You know, I like, I, what, what, what does this mean to me? And you're probably asking the same question. How can I relate to this? The best analogy I can use to relate with Jesus coming back is when soldiers return home with a surprise visit for their kids and their family. Check out this video right here. Get of these stories. A surprise reunion inside an independent school. The girl is able to wrap her arms back around her father two years after he left to serve his country. Fox 4 photojournalist John Hyduke is working for you with the emotional reunion. This is our first class, Jason Michael Webb. I'm a combat medic. Haley's gone through tons of sacrifices. About the first six years of her life, I was pretty much deployed to Iraq. A year and a half of not seeing my daughter growing up, and uh, words can't describe it. She's, you know, told myself and told her mom and her grandparents that, uh, you know, she's seen all the YouTube videos and stuff of a service member coming home from a deployment or whatever the case may be, and I think it's going to be pretty special. They've told her that she's going to get up and introduce a special guest. She's going to go up and actually my bio with him. Our special guest has served in the United States Army for 15 years. As she starts reading my bio, um, she'll start putting two to two together, and, and then that's when I'll walk out. And... Are you surprised? Are you surprised? Everything I could imagine it to be. Halfway through, I kind of thought that it was him, but I was just so happy. Oh my God, Christmas came early. Well, that doesn't get you teary-eyed. That was John Hyde reporting. Sergeant First Class Webb has spent much of his daughter's life on deployment. In fact, he was away fighting for our country when his little girl was born. John Hyde. Yeah, the uh, the news anchors weren't prepared for that, were they? Almost like the surprise of a, of a soldier coming home. The same will be for Jesus when he returns to us. When Jesus returns to us, it'll, it'll be a surprise. We, just like those, those families, there's hope that yes, Father's returning. And yes, we live with the hope that Father God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, 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 the three in one, they're, they're returning. Jesus is coming back for us. Yeah, there's that hope, and it will catch us by surprise. Will we be ready? Will we be ready? Will we have tears of joy? Thank you, Jesus. Will we, will we react 
with that, just like that girl did. And you go watch videos. I, I, I spent a few hours watching some of these videos with a Kleenex box, you know, Kleenex next to me and just, you know, some of these, I mean, I, I had a hard time just trying to find out which one I was going to share with you. And this, you ought to watch it sometime and just, just take it in and, and relate it with how our reaction should be when Jesus returns. Jesus is going to return. What will be our reaction? And not only will he return, he will do something that, that is an act of a judge. He is a just judge. And we see this in Matthew chapter 25. Now, this passage of Scripture is a passage of Scripture that uh, you have probably heard before. And it's a passage of Scripture that uh, I tell you, I, I have to go to it every now and then and be like, okay, what am I doing? Am I, am I living uh, my life right? And it's in uh, verse 31 of chapter 25 in, in the book of Matthew. And it says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, and by the way, this is Jesus talking, he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will come, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, and I love this, will answer, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you a thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he would say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or thirsty or a stranger or, or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, for the right, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, um, many times... Um, shepherds, um, herdsmen. Many times they they um, they raise sheep and goats, like all together. And many times, sheep and goats are herded together. I mean, you know, they all they all eat grass. They all need to get out. You know, 
uh, and, and, uh, and so they, they herd them together. And sometimes it's, it's difficult when you've got a lot of sheep and a lot of goats, it's difficult to really kind of um, see the difference between sheep and goats because they're all together. And so literally what they have to do, they actually have to separate the sheep from the, they have to go to each one. Okay, you're, you're goat, you're sheep. Because if you just kind of look at the landscape of, of, of a bunch of sheep and goats, it's really difficult to, to tell them apart. It's really difficult, well, I got this many goats or I got this many sheep. You know, you've got to actually uh, set them aside. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's separating the sheep from the goats. And he's, and he's saying, look, I am a just judge, a rightful judge. And I've got to separate sheep from goats. The question is, today, for you and for me, are you a sheep or you a goat? Are you someone who, first of all, you've not surrendered your life to Christ. You've not given your heart. And I know this passage of scripture is is a lot of sort of works things. A lot of people get this passage of scripture confused. They say, well, I just got to go feed feed some people and clothe some people and go visit people in prison. Yes, but let me tell you something. You will naturally want to do those things because you have Christ in your heart. Because you see Jesus within the hollow eyes of those people. And yes, that is a, a natural response. And Jesus talks about, you know, if, if, you, if you really follow me, being a sheep, if you really follow me, there, there's a list of other things that you, you will naturally do because you follow me. And so, just because, well, I, I just need to go and, Help some people. No, first of all, you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to follow Christ. You need to believe in him. And the, and the outpouring of that life of Jesus in you, you're going to want to let that spill over and to affect other people in the name of Jesus. So are, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Have you given your heart to Jesus and are you following him? Are you truly following him? Sheep follow. I had a, we had a goat growing up. His name was Melvin. Never had a sheep. And this goat the only thing I know this goat would do, stubborn, stubborn goat. Well, there's a few things this goat would do. But, but a few things is that he would always, when his, when his horns grew in, Melvin would come up and surprise you and just rear you in the behind. And it's pretty funny when he would rear my mom and my mom would fall down. It's pretty funny, actually, because my brother and I, we were little. We had Melvin. But Melvin would also eat like the trees and the, anything he can, he would just, I mean, we had no more plants around the house. We had this big evergreen tree that he, he reached up to about six feet and looked like a big umbrella because all the other 
you know, branches were gone, this huge evergreen tree. So like 20 feet in the air. And so goats, they destroy things. And they, and they hit people. And they're stubborn. They have their own ways. So what are you? What are you? Are you sheep or are you goat? So that's a question you need to ask the Father right here, right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, uh, you know, Frank, sometimes I act just like a goat. <laughs> I, I need more of Christ in me. I just, I just need, um, I need to be less like a goat. And I need to uh, affect people uh, in my life in a positive way just because Christ is in me. If that is you, I just want you to just simply, uh, I want you to just simply say, um, I just want you to simply say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for being a goat. Please fill me with all that you are. Please come into my life, fill me up. I want to follow you. I'm tired of, of trying to be a goat of my own. It's not working. I need to follow you every day. I need to listen to your voice because sheep know the voice of the shepherd. I need to know your voice. And ask you, Lord, help me to know your voice and to hear your voice. Jesus' name, Jesus' name.